Welcome to the Stories Told Podcast. This is Episode 18, Beware the Destroyers. This is the Stories Told Podcast. Two authors talking about stories in movies, TV, and of course, books. I'm Michael Grayford. I write action-adventure stories in fantasy and sci-fi worlds, sometimes for younger readers and sometimes for adults. And I try to always inject at least a little bit of humor. And I am author E.W. Barnes, and I write action-adventure time travel novels and space opera science fiction. Thousands of years, thousands of worlds. But be forewarned, beyond here, there will be spoilers. Are you ready for the adventure? Let's begin. And welcome back to the Stories Told podcast, where today we're entering the realm of science fiction and talking about a favorite episode from season one of Stargate SG-1. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? Glad to do it. Doing well. Thank you very much. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about our last podcast about Willow because I kind of felt bad that we were, you know, tearing apart um, the sort of the season. And 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 to be clear, it's it's something we had a lot of hope for. So that I think there was a little frustration that it didn't go as far as we had hoped. Yeah. But I think the other piece of it was this, that you and I as writers, we know how hard it is to write stories. And it can be really hard to write stories. Yes. You can get get lost in your characters, lost in your world, lost in your plot line. And it sometimes is really hard to have that sort of forest for the trees view that can come from being a consumer of the story rather than a creator of the story. I, I, that's definitely true, um, and you know, we don't know what goes on in the writing rooms of TV shows and how you know the stories of movies were developed, things like that. Exactly. Um, you hear lots of stories about how something gets handed off to someone else, and then someone else, and someone else, and it can be easy for you know, the gist of what's going on to get lost in that process. Yeah. Even even if that's not the case, even if you're just writing, you know, by your own, or you have the same group and you're going through very easy to to lose a thread or <laughs> kind of you know fail to fail to wrap things up uh satisfyingly uh you know you got a lot going on you're juggling a lot exactly so i think i wanted to just make sure that we were clear that we as writers are always learning and growing in our craft and that this podcast is really a part of that process um it's really easy to sit back and criticize but our goal is to analyze and to learn from our fellow writers and their stories. Agree. Go forward with that sort of mindset in place. Um, before we start talking about Stargate, however, I want to hear about how things are going. How's your writing going? What have you been doing this week? Uh, it's going pretty good. I'm all over the place. I've got a few stories I'm working on uh, in different stages of production, <laughs> as I call it. Some that are just early phase Thinking about what the story will be, like what's the general gist of it, what's the hook. Um, those are sequels that are coming up to stories that I'm writing now. The main thing I'm working on writing is still the second in the Zara series. 
um, and I handed off my alpha of science fiction story, The Deep Dark, to a couple of people. So I'll be getting feedback on that hopefully soon. Then my editor should be delivering bits on the first Zara soon. So that will probably be my focus coming up once I get that, just to get Zara 1 done and published, uh, learn that whole process. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at. How about you? Cool. Well, and before we talk about me, I want to just ask a question. Can you remind me where listeners can find your Zara stories right now? Sure. Yeah. The the first one is called Zara and the Golden Scarab of Balihar. That can be read right now on Kindle Vela. The story is complete up there. We'll go through some more edits before I put it together as a, an ebook and paperback. But not much. The the story is pretty much complete. Um, just minor changes, I think. I, I hope <laughs> at this point. And the deep dark is also up there as well on Kindle Vela. Uh, it's a serial reading platform, so you read what they call episode by episode, chapter by chapter. If you want to look at it that way. Um, and the first three episodes are always free, and then after that, it costs a certain amount of tokens to unlock new episodes. And then last week, you had also talked about working on um, some cover art. Is that cover art available for anyone to see anywhere, or is that still in the draft stage and not out for consumption? Yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm just, I'm working on it now still. Um, I'm doing a mock-up, and then I'll handle, hand it off to artist a friend of mine knows who she's worked with. And yeah, hopefully then it will be polished and then I can show it. But no, right now I'm playing with, still I'm playing with layout and design. All right. Awesome. And for me, I have been working on chapter six of the um, second book in the Adventures of the Empyrean Guard series. That second book is called Ecliptic. And I have 3,500 words in chapter six. So it's just a matter of cleaning it up. And then I will upload that to Patreon, where that's available to read in its draft format for Patreon, uh, for Patreon patrons at the uh, patron of the Imperian Guard level. So, and all the information, if people are interested in exploring further, all this information is available in the show notes below. When you're writing chapters, do you have like a specific goal in terms of word count that you're trying to reach? No. Um, I... Not specific. I definitely want, as a rule, unless the chapter has some reason for being particularly short, I usually aim for 2,000 words. And then if it goes beyond that, fine. But because this, these stories are very detailed, and and I don't mean like, um, I don't actually have a lot of world details in there yet. Um, it's mostly just detailed as far as the interactions of the characters and what the characters are doing. Um, so I'm usually pretty, pretty between 3,000 and 4,000 words, depending on how action-packed the chapter is. Yeah, that's a good point. I Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I generally aim for 2,000 as sort of a baseline. And I try to end up somewhere between two and 3,000. At least for my Zara stories, because they're young adult, I want to keep the chapters a little quicker. I um, want, want the story to feel like it's moving along at a good pace. For my big fantasy, kind of, I, I'm not even considering that. It doesn't even really matter. It could be a short chapter if I want to break up a scene, you know, across multiple chapters, or it could be a really long chapter. But I guess, I guess, even then, I'm I'm still writing for at least two thousand to kind of just make sure there's <laughs> enough meat on the bones there for it to actually be a chapter. 
and for it to be moving the story forward. Yeah, story forward. yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I, I have had chapters that have been shorter because that was right for the chapter. So I don't, I don't try to lock myself in too much because as soon as I do that, it backfires on me. Yeah, I agree. I think my chapters in Zara 1 ended up averaging out to like 1,700, 1,800, somewhere around there. Because um, okay. I did have some that were sh significantly shorter, like 1,200 words or something like that. Because sometimes when I'm writing it, it'll end up being longer. And then I'll break it up into two chapters. I feel like, oh, this yeah. would be a good ending spot for a chapter, you know? <laughs> and then I'll, I'll split it and yeah. become two. And have you watched or read anything really cool in the last week? Uh, let's see. Uh, as far as reading, I'm still doing the beta read of my friend's middle grade horror story which has been a lot of fun to read. Hope, hopefully I'll have that finished by next week, uh, and then I can hand that feedback off to her. As far as watched, I, let's see, I've been, I've been watching the National Treasure, Treasure TV show, which is ba based off of the National hey. Treasure movies. Um, totally yeah. different cast, but it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very similar style and tone to the movies, so I'm very much enjoying it. And I got to see this weekend um, the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie, which is available on Paramount. And that was a blast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, especially now you've given it such a nice review. <laughs> really great story. It was exactly what I needed. It was light. It was fun. It was funny. It was tight from start to finish. It was just a really good, fun, entertaining two hours I, i'm i'm looking forward to watching it again excellent that's great i'm looking forward to it i hope you enjoy it when you do see it so let's talk now about um an episode from season one of stargate sg1 there but for the grace of god and i'm going to read a synopsis now this is available uh, at stargate.fandom.com and i'll throw the link in the show notes below if anybody wants to take a look at this wiki. Dr. Daniel Jackson touches a device known as a quantum mirror. At first, he thinks nothing has happened. He soon discovers that he is in an alternate reality where Samantha Carter is a civilian scientist and Jack O'Neill is a brigadier general. He must find a way back to his reality, but this proves difficult, as in that universe, the Gould are invading Earth and Teal'c is still Apophis's first prime. So what did you like about this episode? Oh, man. Okay, so first of all, like I said last time, I, I hadn't seen Stargate since, you know, it first aired. So it was wonderful to watch again, just to be back in that Stargate universe. I, it felt so comfortable and familiar to me. And in a good way, I was, yeah. I was afraid it might not hold up, you know, to how I remembered it. But it really did. They do a great job. Um, and the characters are so fun. <laughs> I always like a story yes. shows the characters, like uh, the same actors playing the character in a different way. Here's what this character would be like if they were evil, right? Like, you know, the Mirror Mirror episode on Star Trek, right? Kind of gave me that yeah. feel to yeah. it. Um, so that, that was fun. Uh, seeing Jack being in charge <laughs> and just being hard-nosed about it at the start. Uh, that was great. 
and the whole concept. I, I love the concept, you know, when there's shifting between universes or dimensions or whatever. Uh, those are always fun. And it was neat to see this story in particular being nine or mid nineties, something like that. When this episode aired, maybe early nineties. Yeah. Um, and February 20, okay. 1998. And you could tell the, the multiverse concept was still relatively new. Um, it, it hadn't permeated the zeitgeist like it has now with Marvel and uh, all these other shows, right? Where it's like everybody knows the concept of the multiverse now. Yeah. Back then, the, you could tell the way they were introducing it was still like, okay, let's ease into this in case people don't, you know, haven't already grasped this concept. That, that was kind of funny to see. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah, I've... I don't know it was fun to be back in that universe again that for me was the main thing and this episode moved along very quickly i started watching it yes and then it was over <laughs> i was like wait that can't be the whole episode it went by so fast what about you what what what, what are specific things yeah that it you is very very tight agree with you about the characters and yet you know you 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 talked a little bit about the mirror mirror scenario where you have characters who are sort of playing a very different role but in this case, the characters were only slightly different. And I thought they pulled that off really yeah, well. They, they weren't exactly the same. You, see the, you still see the core of their character, right? Yeah, you can still see the core of their character. And it's still consistent with the reality that our Daniel has come from, but only slightly different. For example, during the first season of Stargate, Jack O'Neill was a hard nose. And it was only over the time as the series progressed that Jack sort of loosened up a bit and was sort of started listening to Daniel's take on things as opposed to just his own very narrow military special forces yeah. kind of way of looking yeah. at things. <clears throat> I think uh, yeah. they did a good job with that. I think they did a good job presenting some interesting moral quandaries with this. Uh, yes. Like, do we help this guy who we just met save his world? <laughs> do we try to salvage what we can of uh, humanity on our world, right? Even though it might be a couple dozen people. And that's a tough decision to make. And that's what one of the reasons why it made such a, an interesting story. The other th one of the other things I really enjoyed is they brought back Catherine Langford. Yes. Yeah, that was I really great. like her as a character. I think she was only in what the other... Yeah. Uh, Tantalus episode, right? Or was she in more than that? Yeah, no, I guess. Yeah, no, was I think cool that was it. Again. <laughs> and to see it from a different perspective, how he, he never yes. got in, into the Stargate program. Yeah. I always like those uh, alternate paths, right? What if this character didn't go here? What if they went there? Because our, our, our lives are full of those things. A million different ways you could have ended up a totally different than life. And I think they did a really good job of following those paths in a way that seemed very yeah. logical and real. Samantha would be a civilian doctor and yet still managed to wind up at Stargate. I guess they called it Stargate right, yeah. Association instead of Stargate Command. She still wound up there. So even though she didn't join the Air Force, her intellect, her interests still brought her to this place. Yeah. Interesting to have Jack as the one in command and Colonel Hammond being essentially 
his right hand person like Jack is for General Hammond. So I thought that was yeah. an interesting I thought, flip. I thought they handled the other characters really well, like the characters in that alternate universe. I thought they played them very well. Yeah. But I like the fact that the end, Hilk didn't choose their side because of what happened, right? Because yes. of O'Neill <laughs> sending that nuke through to their planet. That could have made the difference. And that makes sense. Yeah. All of the character behaviors made sense. It was good. I thought it was really well done. Plus, it gave us a chance to, you know, as you know from watching the rest of the series, this is a setup for more storytelling to come. And I think it was really yeah, I well the, done. I loved the ending. Yes. Yeah. So he wakes up and <laughs> yeah. says, um, you yeah, know, we're in big trouble. Problem coming here, guys. That was great. I don't remember what yeah. where it goes from here. Which, um, what what happens in those other episodes? The setup for him is good. It really is. It really, really is. And I think that was a unique way of doing it. It was almost like the opposite yes. of a clip show. <laughs> Instead of looking back, we were like saying, "Okay, this is we're going to look forward, and this is what it might look like by having this alternate universe where the entire planet is being destroyed by the ghouls." You know, they say. They lost Washington, D.C. They lost Philadelphia. They show him a map where all these cities of the world have been destroyed. All of Europe is gone. All of Egypt, you know, Egypt is gone, you know, and so they're just systematically moving across the planet, eliminating major population centers. But but it's not our world, so they don't have to try to figure out a way out of that scenario. It's a different world, and so we yeah. get to see the destruction. I thought the sense of <clears throat> the sense of dread and doom in that other universe was handled very well too, for not actually seeing much. Right, you're more just hearing reports of what's going on, but it's awful. You really, you really feel it. Yes. Yeah. You're right. It's such a it's such a brilliant setup. Yeah. Like Air Force. Here's here's what's to come. Agreed. If we don't do something. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if I've seen that before in other shows. It's a really, really good episode. Really, really good episode. Um, and I think that you're exactly right. We stay in Stargate Command for the entire, ep well, almost the entire episode. And yet they do such a good job of conveying the fear, the destruction, the sense yeah. of doom. If, you're if exactly I was in correct. Daniel Jackson's position there in the other universe and this was going on, I would think, well, I guess this is it. <laughs> like, there's no way they're gonna send me back to to that place to go back to my universe. He convinced them. Yeah, and yet he was able to talk him into doing just that. It was a good argument. I wasn't thinking because yeah. I had forgotten what happened in this episode. I just kind of remember the gist of it, but I had forgotten. His argument was very compelling. It's like, look, you can save an entire world here, sending me back. We can prevent this on our world. I know you want to save you, you know, as many people as you can here, but we're talking an entire planet. That was a great argument. It was. It yeah. really was. Was there anything um, about the episode you didn't like? I, it's a very small thing. It goes back to the sort of awareness of the multiverse aspect. I was thinking at the start of this, it kind of took Daniel Jackson a while to figure out what was going on. Or, or at least that it's like, come on, dude, you, you know you're not yeah. in your world anymore. You must have seen Star Trek Mirror Mirror or the city on the edge of forever, right? And you you touched this thing, you knew something happened, right? It just took him a while to kind of put together what was going on. Um, it 
it's a small thing. Like I said at the beginning, yeah. we're so used to the multiverse concept now. It's hard to go back in time and see remember what I thought about it then. But they did bring up this concept in, in uh, Star Trek and, and I'm sure other shows and, and books and things like that that I didn't remember. It was, it was still new at the time compared to just per- proliferating everywhere now. Um, other than that, I mean, I yeah. thought it was really well done. How about you? There was actually, uh, there was only one, uh, like you, a very small thing that I think would have made it slightly tighter. Again, just analyzing about how I might make my writing tighter. And that is the fact that they let kept Daniel or let Daniel not go back into confinement, even though they didn't believe him and... O'Neill was like, I don't want to see this guy again. They didn't put him back into confinement. And I would have liked to have a little bit more explanation as to why yeah. they didn't I, I just put him back thing, into jail. And this, I'm, first of all, I, I agree with you there. <laughs> that was a little odd. Uh, obviously, I think that's convenience of the plot for what's basically like a 40, 45 minute episode. <laughs> they got a lot to cram in there. Um, and that that was another thing, as I thought afterward, having seen it, probably could have taken this episode and split it into two. There's, there's a lot more they could have done. Like, like oh, you said, yeah. had they put him back in there, he has to get out. They could have ramped up the tension even more with the world's coming to an end, right? It could maybe, maybe it started off at like, it's just beginning to happen. And throughout the episode, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And then, you know, it's a to be continued. But again, it's, it's, the episode worked as is, so <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. We're talking quibbles here. And that was pretty much it. I thought everything else really tracked. And and the whole why is he still out, you know, not confined thing could have been easily corrected with, you know, Catherine saying, General, I think he can help us with something, blah, blah, blah. He seems to have this knowledge with your permission can we keep him here to talk about? And then Jack could have said, fine, yeah. it's on you. I just that don't one, want to see him again or something like that. I liked was they weren't sometimes in these shows, you, you have the people who kind of aren't in the know really pushing back against the person or not believing them, convince them pretty quick. I, I think that was realistic. It's like, once you hear someone yeah. telling you these things that they shouldn't be able to know, they couldn't know should open your eyes. And it, and it did. And I'm, I'm glad they didn't drag that part of it out. That's a good point. Anything else that you um, um, think about is, this episode? Coming to mind right now, the one thing that I was left with after seeing this was, I really want to watch more Stargate SG One now. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love what they do. <laughs> this show gives me a lot of the feeling that I got from Star Trek the original series, where have yeah. kind of these one-off episodes with they're, they're just exploring one sci-fi idea seeing where that goes and Stargate does a lot of that here I mean this happens to be a case where storylines kind of continuing over multiple episodes in general they do they do a lot of these neat ideas and explore them pretty well so uh, yeah I'm I'm excited to watch some more of this but I will I will I'm going to add to that by saying yeah, the storylines go over multiple episodes, but they're not arc storylines. What they are is more, and let me know what you think about this. They're more like this 
story took place, which then has the result of driving the next story forward. Instead of being like an arc where there's like an overarching, oh, we've got to take out the Dominion. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like on Deep Space Nine. There's still ep- ship in the bottle episodes, but they're episodes that yeah, are impacted by the episodes generally before. Doing, uh, season length storylines. Uh, even when they do, like even this one, it's like it ends. It's clearly yeah. a setup for what it's what's to come. But I don't think it even says like to be continued. It's just it's like okay, that was one episode. It's complete. Yeah, you get a sense <laughs> that something bad's coming. I mean, they basically tell you that, but it is its own episode. I think there's a few later pair of episodes that are like one story or something like that. And I think the difference is is that. You know, with an arc episode, with a series of arc episodes, right? You have your characters making a decision or having some kind of a goal that then the arc episodes are all about following that goal to whatever the end result is over multiple episodes. Whereas these, the, every single time you start a new episode, the choice can <laughs> be made to true. not follow yeah. the goal you go into them there that to me that's why they don't feel like arc episodes because each episode a choice could be made one way or the other how this story is going to go by the characters you know what are they going to do as opposed to having a choice made early on and then just a yeah, series a of episodes point. about yeah, following episode to the end of that choice structurally complete and i think that's one of the things that felt good about going yeah. back to stargate was so many shows now they're season-based stories, or maybe even multi-season-based stories, which is great. I, I love a lot of those. Um, yeah. But it's also nice to have something where it's like, oh, I can just watch an episode <laughs> and not feel like, wait, what came before? And, oh, well, yeah. well I have to yeah. watch the next one now, <laughs> you know? Episode on a scale of one to ten. I'd rate it pretty highly. I Agreed. I think it's, a, for me, it's an eight. Tight, well done, consistent with the series interesting fun story yeah. keeps you keeps you entertained I, I, oh, keeps another you thing i engaged. liked is it didn't make this some kind of gate glitch right? like oh you know coming through at the same time as someone else and it threw you in another universe because they do do that in a few other episodes where it's like oh some gate timing thing that happened right i'm glad they didn't do that here it was something else and then you had, I think it was Sam figured out that like, oh, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it couldn't be the gate. It has to be some, some other thing that happened. And then Catherine's like, wait, you touched this mirror thing. Right. Maybe it was that, right? They all kind of figured it out together like that. Because then you, it's right. not canon in gate operations. Yeah, because some of that sometimes... You have to hang on to for the ridiculous. rest of the series. Like when when uh, <laughs> in Star Trek, like... Oh, we zip around the sun a few times. We went back in time. It's like, ah, oh, did you really have to like <laughs> open that door? Because now that's just something they can do all the time if they want. Thank God for the temporal prime directive. Any other thoughts on this episode of Stargate SG-1? Oh, I think that's about it. How about you? Any last thoughts? This was a good choice. I really enjoyed it. We invite our listeners to join us next time as we talk about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, The Fifth Race. And of course, as always, 
You can find Michael's website in the show notes below, as well as links to things that are available on this channel and my website. And we are always grateful to our listeners who like and subscribe and click the notifications bell. Thanks so much, Mike. This has been awesome.